0: Hey, you're listening to the Dudes Talking Sports Podcast. I'm Casey Foreman. And I'm Austin Baroth. We're a couple of guys talking about what's going on in the world of sports. This is our first podcast together, and it'll be streaming on Spotify every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm Casey Foreman. Uh, I got a lot to talk about this week and I'm just going to kind of jump right into it. So with the most recent episode of the Last Dance documentary being about that 95-96 Chicago Bulls team that went obviously 72-10 and won the championship. Um, and obviously, some people's regards, that's that's the best team of all time in NBA history. So what I want to start with is, uh, comp- not comparing them, but I want to compare them to uh, what I think is their biggest threat to being the best team of all time. And that's the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors, who obviously went 15-1 and in the playoffs, won the championship, Kevin Durant's first championship. Um, but in my opinion, those are two of the top teams uh, of all time. And with, you know, with the most recent episode being about that 95-96 team, and I saw a couple of other uh, people talking about the Warriors and the Bulls, and, you know, I thought, why not? Let's break it down, and uh, I'm going to give you guys my opinion on who would win in a seven-game series uh, in today's game set as far as rules and fouls. Um, so I want to start with just breaking down, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to break down the top eight seven eight players of both teams I'm not going to go 15 and 15 that's just uh too big a sample size so let's start with the 95 96 bulls obviously headlining uh for them you got Michael Jordan that season averaging 30 points four assists six rebounds and and two steals you know averaging two steals a game uh, next up, obviously his wingman, Scotty Pippen, at 19.6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 1.7, basically two steals himself. So, an elite uh, defensive duo there. You know, take that in, into consideration. Uh, next would be Dennis Rodman, uh, obviously the glass cleaner for the Bulls, averaging 15 rebounds. Uh, up next... For the Bulls, we, uh, Luke Longley, you know, averaging around nine points, five rebounds. You know, they have Tony Kukoc averaging about thirteen points, four assists, four rebounds. Uh, you know, really good, um, overseas player. Uh, then you got Ron Harper, obviously uh, an established player before he even went and joined uh, Jordan in the Bulls. And then obviously, you know, they got Steve Kerr, three point specialist, uh, all time one of the better three-point shooters of all time. And, uh, you know, obviously they went 72-10, one of the best teams, if not the best team of all time in some people's opinion. Now let's compare them uh, to the 2016-2017 Warriors. Uh, like I said, I think this team is, uh, was the best team out of the Golden State run with Durant, uh, even when they went 73-9. and nine, uh, I, was, I was debating comparing the Bulls to that team, you know, since that was the team that beat their record. Uh, but I don't think anybody... Thinks that team is better uh, than the team the, the next year. Whenever they went out and got Kevin Durant, even though they did lose some, you know, some bench players and some big role players for them, uh, I don't think it's a question that you know them adding Kevin Durant is a clear addition and cl- clearly makes them, uh, you know, the better of the two teams. But uh, first off, obviously, I gotta go with number one, Steph Curry that year, averaging twenty five six and four. Okay, obviously a little bit of a setback for him, uh, coming off the thirty points a game. But obviously, that was the first year he got Kevin Durant trying trying to maybe not sidetrack, but yeah, let Kevin do his thing and you know him be the Robin to Batman. Uh, so you had Steph Curry, obviously Kevin Durant that year, averaging twenty five. Uh, five assists, and eight rebounds. Obviously, those two. Uh, actually, I'll get to that point a little later on, but next up we have Clay Thompson. Uh, obviously, him and Steph. Best backcourt in NBA history, in my opinion. Two of the best shooters in NBA history. Uh, again, I don't, I don't even think that's up for debate. Um, so, we got Clay Thompson there. So, you have Clay Thompson, St- Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Okay, all guys who can shoot the three ball at insanely high levels, okay? Next up, that number 4 we had Draymond Green, uh that year especially. I think that was before we saw these past couple of years it's been no question we've seen a slight drop off, if not a, a decent drop off from Draymond. And I think we all know how he plays, it's it's his motor, his high work ethic and when years go on, you know, your body takes a toll and uh you know, you can only expect somewhat of a lower level of play after so many years of you know putting your body out there at such a high level every single night you know since that was what he brought the intensity every single night especially in that 2016-2017 season you know coming off arguably his best season in that 2015-2016 season when some people said he was the best player on that Warriors team you know, it was up for debate that he was the number one. And, and some people thought it was definite that he was the number two on that team. In my opinion, uh, yes, he was the behind the scenes. He ran everything. He he was the dirty work, like the Rodman, but not just on the rebounding side, on the assisting and ball movement, getting the plays running. Um, so Draymond is key. I don't think people really uh, understand how crucial he was to those Warriors even before before Kevin came. Um, so, yeah. Draymond Green, high motor at number four. You have him on there. And that number five for the Warriors, I'm simply going down to their top seven, eight players. Uh, number five, Andre Iguodala. Okay, this was the last year, I think everybody can agree, of high level. Um, he didn't get too many minutes uh, in the regular season. But in the finals, if not in the uh, whole playoffs, we saw him get a whole lot of minutes, if not starting in their death lineup, which consisted of that five. Iguodala, Draymond, Clay, Durant, and Curry. Um, obviously, a little bit undersized, but you know, with the scoring they're getting, uh, we know the results that they came to championships. So, Andre Iguodala at number five, usually coming off the bench, but if not a starter for them. Um, and we all know what Andre Iguodala was and a proven All Star before he came. Uh, I think he prov- proved that he wasn't a number one on a team. And uh, we saw when he lost uh, to Golden State in the playoffs in 2014 or 2013, uh, before he joined them, the offseason where he joined them, um, I think that's when he really realized, you know, I'm not a number one, number two guy, and that's why we saw him go to Golden State, be more of a role player, and then... It's, it, it's translated, obviously, not, not just that, but that's translated or helped translate the two championships. So Andre at number five. Number six, Sean Livingston, which if you've been watching basketball or you paid any attention to those championship run, runs that the Warriors had, he was also key coming off the bench, especially early in the 2015, uh, the first year they won the championship. Him and Iguodala were key coming off the bench. Obviously, Iguodala was forced into the starting lineup in the finals, but Sean, especially, uh, coming off the bench, his scoring, his defense, you know, getting getting plays ran, just his his IQ, veteran IQ. That's, I think, an underrated, somewhat of a Ron Harper. That's what Iguodala kind of reminds me of, a Ron Harper on the team. Same with Sean Livingston uh, coming off the bench, just an established guy who is simply wanting to win championships and, and contribute knowing he's not a number one guy. Uh, but he could be at some places, you know, some teams are willing to give him though, that, that role. But uh, knowing your role and, you know, taking that bench position. But still, Sean Livingston at number six. Number seven, it was a toss-up for me between JaVale McGee and David West. Uh, I did go ahead and put JaVale McGee in there just because of his shot blocking, rebounding, and uh, overall presence in the paint. I do love David West and his veteran IQ. What he does out there, his play-making uh, plays ability, play ability, and just his presence. You know, he was more of a locker room presence. But even the first year he was out there with the 2016-2017 Warriors, this year uh, coming from San Antonio, that was the best basketball he played in Golden State that year. And hey, he played a lot of big minutes and and translated obviously with them going fifteen and one in the playoffs. So those are the two, you know, top seven, top eight players on both teams. So just off that, I got to give this slight edge just because I know the Bulls do have three Hall of Famers in there, you know, I, so, so do the Warriors, if not four, five Hall of Famers, if you think Iguodala and Draymond Green are. I think Iguodala kind of has to be now with the finals MVP, um, multiple championships, and then Draymond Green being a, a defensive player of the year and three-time championship winner. I think he's a uh, Hall of Famer as well, so... You know the Golden State Warriors have four Hall of Famers. Uh, like I said earlier, they, they'd be playing in today's game. Okay, so so the floor would be all time as stretched as ever. Okay, so the the paint is as open as ever. Like I said in, in last week, uh, so Jordan would just have a heyday with that, and, and you know having Dennis down there. I don't know how that would translate him being, you know, a, a not a big shooter. But I don't, don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, So the floor would be as spread as ever, giving Michael, you know, a free open lane to the paint. But as far as uh, defense guarding Michael Jordan, you know, we we can throw or they can throw Clay Thompson at him, who is a first team, in my opinion, uh, first team defensive player. Uh, so he can definitely. Obviously, no one can stop Michael Jordan or even really get into his head. We saw him laughing at Gary Payton talking about how he shook him up a little bit, but obviously that that's not really uh, that's not really possible. But you can do your best. Throw Clay Thompson. Heck, you can even throw Andre Iguodala, a veteran a defensive player. You can even throw Kevin Durant sometimes at him, a seven foot lengthy defender. Um, so I think you have multiple bodies you can throw with Michael Jordan. He's still gonna go get you thirty points a game, um, but I do think there are peop- multiple people at least you can throw at him. Okay, not, not not that that's gonna stop him at all, but you have multiple people. He's not gonna tire the same guy out. Okay, next up. Okay, so Scottie Pippen. Scotty not being an elite shooter, you yeah, obviously would be getting to the paint more. Uh, you know, more than ever. But like I said, with the three point shot being as big as it ever has i think we would see scotty and michael really get exposed for not having very good three-point shots okay that that that's one of the biggest reasons um i'm doubtful for the bulls in this series I, either way i think it goes six or seven six games at least six or seven but um just michael and, and scotty's or uh lack of shooting ability from the three-pointer i think that would really come into play um because we would see them somewhat taking offense not because michael has a way better jump shot than i don't want to compare him to like ben simmons or Giannis or you know lebron in his early years but as far as scotty goes you know we can you can Build a wall around that paint and force them to shoot those outside jumpers. Obviously, Michael's going to get his mid range, but you can force Scotty and those other guys to shoot those outside jumpers that they're not necessarily comfortable taking. Um, now, as far as let's let's switch the role, okay? Let's let's say who's going to guard the Warrior. So so Steph, point guard. Uh, obviously, he can average thirty points a game. Best three point shooter ever. I don't see a player on the Bulls able to guard Steph Curry or really give him that many issues unless you take Michael off the two guard and put him on Steph that would be the biggest uh way or I think the biggest factor of beating the Warriors would be completely eliminating Steph for the series and having Michael on him okay if they did that yeah they could completely eliminate Steph but uh who's going to guard Klay Thompson Kevin Durant Andre Iguodala? you know what I mean so that he, he his size needs to be for these bigger players. But again, if they decided to put him on Steph, man, that, that would be uh, a heyday for Jordan, and that would be a terrible uh, series for Steph. But anyways, they don't have a true point guard who can guard Steph. Steve Kerr, as we all know, not a defensive guy known for his shooting and the same kind of size as Curry, you know? Uh, so I think Curry wouldn't have any... Definitely a better defensive guard than Kerr. Uh, so as far as point guards guarding Steph, they would have to switch Michael on to him, I think, if they wanted to see anything. And then Kevin Durant, obviously, you throw Scotty Pippen or Dennis Rodman on on Kevin Durant, who, yeah, can give him issues. But Scotty, again, not as tall as Kevin, not as lengthy as Kevin. Close. Very close. Um, but not quite. And I don't think Dennis... Scotty Michael none of them ever played against or defended okay okay maybe Larry Bird but still never defended a 7 foot monster who can shoot the way this guy can so I don't think there's a player on that on that team that can guard Kevin Durant okay Scotty Pippen uh would be the best bet just because of his size maybe Rodman but I think he would have to go go at Draymond and just kind of somewhat take him out but um Draymond's high motor I would see those two really clashing and that would be a matchup I would love to see um but I think a big x-factor would be uh Clay Thompson okay obviously you have Tony Kukoc and other guys you could throw at Clay. um but the big names you're going to be focusing on are going to be Steph and Kevin Durant and as for as for the Bulls go they're focusing on Michael and Scotty okay the biggest reason I'm also going, um, I'm going, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm going for the Warriors. I think the Warriors would beat them in the series. I didn't want to say it yet. I wanted to save it to the end. But uh, that's that's another big reason because they have an established three, uh, a third option scorer. Okay, so Clay Thompson's a guy who can, we've seen him go and get 50, 60 points. Okay, and he's their th- he was their third option. Okay, so that's also another reason. If Michael and Scotty, again, we know Michael, it's rare for him to have a bad game. Oh, it never happened. But let's say Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen both had an off night. Who is that third guy? Maybe Tony Kukoc, but who's that third guy? Maybe Ron Harper, but there's not an established guy like a Clay Thompson who can walk up and get you 25 points. Okay, he can get you 25 points on 10 dribbles. (laughs) Okay, so not even less than that, but still. That's that 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 would be a big factor, okay? So you would have Jordan on on Clay, maybe Jordan on Curry, and then you have Clay open. So I think really depending on who Michael would guard, that other person being at or Clay would really have to thrive and take advantage of those opportunities not having Michael on them. Okay. Um, but again, if you have Michael on Steph, Scotty on Kevin Durant, you really need Clay to have a big series. And I think what we saw with Clay especially in the 2019 series against the Raptors he's he's capable of having those big series stepping up and in my opinion if the Warriors would have came back to win those series clay is the finals mvp against Toronto if they come back and clay's healthy which in my opinion they win in in 6 games the warriors win in 6 games if clay is healthy anyway um yeah, I'm taking the Warriors. I I, I definitely am with their three point shooting. Um, you know, still being an underrated defensive team. If you look, Clay, or uh, we all know what Clay Thompson can do. We know what Draymond Green can do. Kevin Durant, that's somebody who stepped up. And in his 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 thoughts going into those years, he was thinking, "I'm not trying to be MVP. I'm trying to be defensive player. I'm trying to be all defensive team." Um, because that's what Steve Kerr really told him. You know, we know what you can do on the offensive side it's going to come down to can you play defense and can you guard those players at your side if not bigger than you because now now that you're on the warriors you know you're going to have to play a lot of four so you're going to have to guard the second tallest guy on that guy's team if not the tallest guy on that guy's team on the on the other team on the on the other team um so that's something the warriors i, I don't think get enough credit but while I'm on the defensive side you know that's something the Bulls have, you know, edge, they have the edge to the Warriors on that side of the ball, okay? You know, Michael and Scotty being two of the top, and, and Dennis being three of the top defensive players of all time. Not not the best, but you know what I'm trying to say, three of of the best, um, which is no debate. Michael being, if not the best, his, his position, Scotty up there at his position, Dennis, if not the best ever, top, you know, ever, so... It's no question what they can do. It's just, as far as their third established scorer, as much firepower as the Warriors have, they also have Andre Iguodala on their bench who can come off and get you 20 points. I know I don't want to underrate Ron Harper, you know Tony Kukoc, anybody possibly coming off the bench for the Bulls, but I just don't see the firepower. And then if you say that the Bulls would just manhandle them, I did say that they'd be playing in today's uh, kind of rule sets so the the hand checking's gone, you know. That much of physicality is gone. So a big part of their game is gone, you know. So they have to somewhat learn. Obviously, in this hypothetical world, we'll say they 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 know this game set and they've been playing in this style, um, but that's different for them, you know. They they can't be as physical, and that's that. Is when I give the edge to the Warriors. Because uh, officiating. You know. Obviously we'd be seeing the Bulls getting all the. All the call. Or the Warriors getting all the calls. Because the Bulls being physical. Um, I just don't think. I think offense beats defense. And and as far as offense goes. That's the 2016-2017 Warriors. In my opinion. Are the best offensive uh, team. If not like thing we've ever seen. In any sport. You know. And. When, when you say uh, people people just try to put the 95, 96 Bulls on their own little pedestal, you know? And and l- watching the documentary and learning that they actually went six games with the Seattle Supersonics. I know they won 60-something games that year, but in the documentary, they, they said themselves that was known at that point to be one of the worst teams in finals history, you know, to make it to the finals. The fact that... They took the Bulls six games. That was also an overwhelming factor that that, that if, if if Sean Kemp and Gary Payton can take this game this team to six games, if then I think Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson can beat them. Okay. I threw a lot of information out. Um, but yeah, you know, the firepower that the Warriors have, how deep they are. Um, having Steve Kerr as their coach as well, being a player on that team, that's another under un, uh, underrated factor, you know. The coach of the Warriors was a vital part of that team, knows that team in and out that they would hypothetically be playing. And, you know, just the only edge that I give to the Bulls is that you have Michael Jordan, you know, and when you have him, I can't say that, you know, it's, it's definitely going the Warriors way. When you have MJ, you know, obviously anything is possible. He can go nuclear and just scorch you for the entire series. You can say something that rubbed him the wrong way and then we we know how that turns out. But, uh, yeah, offensive firepower, I'm giving it to the 2016, 2017 Golden State Warriors. All right. Now, now that debate's over, I want to uh, switch onto a more, a more serious and then again, exciting topic, you know, And uh, if you like that topic, wait till the end of the show. Uh, I'll be talking, uh, discussing the Last Dance episodes at the end. So more Michael Jordan at the end. Um, But as for right now, what I want to do is just kind of give you guys a sports update as far as what's going on in the world of sports going forward uh, with the whole coronavirus uh, situation. So I'm going to start with the MLB. Okay, so the owners today have proposed uh, that the season would start the season starts in July okay now let me break down the specific details to this season starting in July so it would be an 82 game season so drastically cutting the season in half uh, it would be a 14 team postseason so 14 teams in the postseason four total card teams there would be no All-Star break, and there is no guarantee that every team will be able to play in their home stadium. Just kind of depending on, you know, their environment, uh, what the virus is looking at, or is is a uh, what the how it's spreading. You know, where they are, and what what city they are. So that's that's uh, another factor. Not necessarily every team is going to be able to play at their home. Um, their home stadium, and they have released as of now there will be no fans. Okay, no fans whatsoever for the MLB, and you know rightfully so. Um, not baseball being you know what it is and playing such a long season at certain types or certain times in the year. I think uh, they especially know that not every game is sold out. You know, um, so I don't think that this will be a huge change. Yes, there are some games where every seat's packed. And usually, you know, the seats are filled, you know, but I'm not going to say that every seat is, you know, uh, sold out like it would be for an NBA game uh, or a, 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 a uh, NFL game. OK, so at certain times of the year, at least for the MLB. Uh, so I don't think this is necessarily brand new. Um it is new. They will have to make some adjusting, um, but I think the MLB will be fine. If, if anybody, I if think they, obviously, they're going to be the first team sport back up and running. Um, as far as that, that's what people are saying, they're saying baseball, you know, it being so spread out. Not everybody is so close to each other. I think it makes sense. You know, you can have people hang out in the stands, not necessarily all in the dugouts. Um, it makes sense. They can be really spread out and, you know, good for the MLB, but the saddest part is, you know, why they're having issues, you know, what they're fighting over. And and what they're fighting over right now is revenue sharing. Uh, you know, how much money are we going to get for this 82-game season? And, you know, how much are we are we splitting the profits 50-50? Are we getting the 100% of our contracts? What's going on? And, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now and a lot of people not knowing how they're going to get paid, to see these MLB stars in a league without a salary cap where these players make an insane amount of money complaining and being worried about their checks coming in the mail and how much they're going to be for I think that's just insulting in a way you know right now we don't need that what we need is team sports or you know sport coming back because like I said before sports is the one true unifier in the world and and it's the one thing we can all come together and watch even if we don't Weren't aren't watching the same team or like the same team we're respectful while we're watching our teams play and and i just really believe it's the one true unifier uh f- for all of us at least for those who like sports <laughs> and uh, for them to be disputing and arguing over you know how much money they're gonna make over half this season you know it's, it's a half of the season they're used to playing i think it's laughable to me. And, and it's why I don't take baseball too seriously. It's why I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I'm sorry for those of you listening who are good for you. I'm not taking anything away from it, but I don't think it's the best league um, in the, in the world. I think the best league is easily the NBA. I think the NFL is even better than the MLB, but you know, when I think of MLB, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is money. You know, all, all I think about and I believe they think about is money. You know, it's not a salary cap league. They can make as much as they want. And and that's the biggest thing. You know, if you play baseball, it's the dollar sign you're thinking about because you can make all that money. And the fact that they're still so hung up on making or, or, or how much they're going to make in the shortened season, you know, that that's one of the reasons why we don't have the full plan in effect. You know, they're still disputing these little, these little things. And and uh if if this turns out to be the factor of us not having a season, you know, uh I just think that's laughable and, and uh just terrible, honestly. Just just laughable and terrible. You know, I think I, I definitely expect more from a professional league and, you know, big stars making as much money as they already are. Um yeah. I think it's just greedy, but let's move on. So This is going to be a short one. So the PGA uh, professional golf is going to be returning June 11th. There. June 11th, golf is back. (laughs) Okay, so the NBA uh, facilities are set to be opening up. Practice facilities are set to be opening up this week, next week, depending on, you know, your area, where you are, how the virus is in your area, how it's spreading. Uh, And we see some teams... Taking advantage of that, some teams like the Mavericks in specific, I keep hearing Mark Cuban saying, you know, it's not worth it. We're staying closed Uh, until we hear more from, you know, Dallas officials and stuff, which I think is great. Uh, Keep your players safe. I love Mark Cuban, one of my favorite owners, if not my favorite owner in the whole league. Um, And there's been speculation. There's been reports that this did happen. This didn't happen. um, But apparently NBA representatives texted you know over 400 players different or different teams basically asking them you know yes or no do you guys want to resume the season not any specific details just simply yes or no would you guys like to play again this year you know and uh, I've seen reports saying that's not true that is true I don't know I, I think it is. And then maybe the NBA didn't want it to be released. So that's why we see them kind of going back and trying to cover it back up. But um, no matter what, another story was released here recently. And uh, it was saying that a, a number of top players in the league, like LeBron, Chris Paul, Steph, Kevin Durant, Kawhi, uh, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Russell Westbrook, uh, in specific, those guys were all held in a private conference call on Monday. And and basically the topic was resuming play, and and the information that was released was that all of those guys said that they would be more than happy and they want uh, to uh, resume the season. You know they are in favor of resuming the season. And reporter, the reporter reporting that is someone who I trust, uh, Chris Haynes. Uh, So I don't think that's something we'll see backtracked later. I definitely think that that's something that happened. And I'm glad we saw it come out, you know, we're seeing these big name players, you know, every day I see other stories being like, you know, these guys don't want to play, they don't want to get out of bed, Uh, you know, especially these non-playoff teams. But then I see stories like this that gives me, that give me hope and uh, really makes me think that we are going to have an NBA season. And uh, yeah, it's just stories like this, stories like this. And I do think that the NBA was just trying to backtrack and, uh I'm I'm curious to see if that if that poll really did go out with the NBA players. I want to see what that result looked like and uh as far as, you know, I wonder who they sent it out to. You know, was it all playoff teams? I'm sure it was a mixture. Uh I'm sure that the majority of the non-playoff teams would be voting on the no side, which I don't blame them, you know. Why go out and risk getting hurt if you're not even going to make a playoff run anyway. Um but lots of information coming out. I think we're always hearing new stuff about the NBA. Excuse me. Uh, In my opinion, that's good. You know, that makes me think they're constantly trying to find something. Excuse me. uh, That can work for us. And that works for the players. And that's safe for the players. So, I'm glad we keep hearing new stuff. That means they keep debating new things. Trying new things. So, I'm all for it. Keep throwing out your options and telling us what you're thinking about, and we'll keep telling you what we think, all right? And then uh, for the uh, NFL, they released their schedule this past week for all teams, and the starting game, as far as right now, looks like it is going to be starting September 10th with uh, Kansas City and uh, the Texans going head-to-head. And I also read an article saying that as of right now, plans are to have fans. Uh, I don't know if they... Obviously, they're hoping for drastic changes uh, by then, uh, by September, which I hope they're right. I hope we can have fans in the stands and have the real experience. Um, But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and I don't want to get our hopes up. Uh, I don't think it's right to... hope or to say that our plan is to have fans right now I think your plan right now should to not uh, should be to not have fans to you know seeing what's going on right now I think they should be coming out saying as of right now we're not going to be having fans Um, so I didn't like that Um, but I do like that they are uh, giving us a a schedule still that right now they're on schedule to start playing in september um so i like that and this is also a little preview for what i'm going to talk about after the break okay so after the break i'm gonna kind of break down the 2020 schedule for the dallas cowboys and i'm gonna give you guys my projection on what their season might look like okay so for dallas for cowboy fans this will be a good one if not hey if you either love or you hate the Cowboys, and in either way, you're gonna find a little, a little bit in this next section. But still, you know, um, let's see anything else. Oh, also, oh sorry, no mean to disrespect my NHL fans. It was on the back of my paper. I'm so sorry. NHL, no recent updates. <laughs> okay, so there have been no, uh, as as far as in the past month. There have been no real updates on the NHL. Obviously, I'm guessing, you know, they're just wanting to get back in get back on the ice and play. But, you know, with hockey being such a physical and close-in-contact sport, I see, I completely see why they're being hesitant and not releasing uh, any plans. And I think they're also not getting their fans' uh, their fans' hopes up, which I think is also a smart move because it— I, What I get from, you know, not seeing any information being put out is that they're not sure if they're going to have a season Uh, or maybe they're just keeping it, you know, close, close and not 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 letting that information out. Uh, But as far as my opinion, what I think when I see no information come out within the past month, um, I'm thinking that we might not have an NHL season. But again, what do I know? Uh, We just really haven't had any any recent updates. Uh, So that's it for this half. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when I get back, I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, break down that Dallas Cowboy 2020 schedule. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, guys. So for this half, I'm going to start out uh, talking about my Dallas Cowboys and their schedule for this next year um since it was released um so what i'm gonna do is kind of go by week by week and give you my projection uh for the cowboys win or loss so let's get into it week one we got cowboys at rams uh rams are gonna be having a new stadium uh, or, or their own stadium you know uh Cowboys did recently whoop up on them in the past season uh, last time they played a little bit revenge for the loss they got in the playoffs Uh, but I see the same you know I didn't I don't think the Rams got drastically better maybe a little addition by subtraction by losing Todd Gurley but uh, I don't think I don't think they got much better and on the other side I think the Cowboys did get better Uh, not way better but yes I do think they got better and they improved more than the Rams uh so I have the Cowboys week one beating the Rams uh in Los Angeles so W first week week two Falcons at Cowboys so last time Falcons and Cowboys matched up it went right to the wire Cowboys fell short you know coming off a a big victory I think at the Rams uh I do have a lot of faith in the Cowboys, but uh, I think sometimes uh, I, I look like a fool. So so I'm not going to ride ride the high. The, the winner is high. I'm going to go Falcons at Cowboys. Cowboys lose the first home game, so lose second week to the Falcons. Week three, Cowboys at Seahawks. Okay? Man, last time the Cowboys and Seahawks played, at least the uh, last big game they played in, uh, whenever Dallas beat them in the playoffs. Um, I see Seattle. I think Seattle got a lot better uh, in the offseason as well. I like Russell Wilson as far as that head-to-head Q, uh, quarterback matchup. And uh, I think the, the Cowboys go into Seattle and lose. Uh, so I think Week 3 loss at Seattle. Week 4, okay. Browns at Cowboys. So, Baker Mayfield comes to Jerry World. I don't like the Browns, okay? I'm not a big fan of their team. Uh, I know they have offensive weapons, but I don't like Baker Mayfield, and I'm not a big fan of their head coach, okay? Um, Not proven, uh, obviously. uh, I don't want to bash the organization, but... Uh, I'm not a big Browns fan, not a big Baker Mayfield fan. Um, I see the Browns going into Jerry World. They haven't played in Dallas in who knows how long. I see them coming in, losing to the Cowboys, them getting their first home victory. Uh, So week four, Cowboys getting a W. Week five, Giants come to Jerry World. So Giants at Cowboys. Uh, Same thing, I have the Cowboys beating the Giants at home. I think the Giants are the clear, better team. Giants still... They have a lot of good pieces. They have their quarterback, but I don't think they're in the year to make that big push yet. I like the Cowboys at home week five. All right, so week six, Cardinals at Cowboys. So it was obviously a home stretch of games. Them winning the two prior home games, I have the Cowboys losing to the Cardinals at home. You know, with the Cardinals having, you know, adding some offensive firepower in DeAndre Hopkins and... Having an up-and-coming quarterback in Kyler Murray, I like them. And I like them next year. Um, I think they're going to not quite be a contender. Not at all. But uh, I think they do make a jump. I think they're a lot better than last year. And I have them beating the Cowboys week six at home. Uh, so week seven. So week six was a loss to the Cardinals. Week seven. Let's see. Week seven. We have the Cowboys at Redskins. Okay. <sighs> I thought about this, and uh, it was really easy. Cowboys win at Redskins, okay? Uh, Redskins obviously going to be a rebuilding team, a new head coach, somewhat of an unproven, yeah, new quarterback. Um, this is kind of his deciding year, whether or not they move off of him. They say this is his... that. Dwayne Haskins is their guy, and this is the year for them to prove it and for him to prove it, Um, and I'm not sure he will. So it really kind of depends on what he's looking like uh, next year. Uh, But as of right now, I have the Cowboys winning Week 7 at Redskins. Week 8. So then the Cowboys go on to play the Eagles, another uh, division rival. Um, I have them after w- beating the Redskins. I have them going to the Eagles and again losing er, and losing to the Eagles, like they did the last time they played uh, for the for the division this past year. Uh, I think uh, we're we're gonna go in really wanting to beat them. I don't think Philly is gonna talk as much as they did in the first game they played Dallas last year, and uh, I see them coming in and beating Dallas at home. Uh, that was the edge. If, if Dallas was at home, I honestly would have given it to Dallas. But Eagles are home. I'm giving week eight uh, to the Eagles loss for the Cowboys. Week nine, uh, Steelers at Cowboys. The big question for the Steelers, obviously, is that quarterback position. Is Big Ben going to be healthy and sustainable to play all year long? and them not having a solidified and, and proven backup uh at being Mason Rudolph at this point in time. Yeah, uh not not necessarily believing Big Ben's going to stay healthy all year not loving the backup quarterback position um in my in this case the Cowboys coming off a loss, I have them week 9 beating the Steelers at home. All right. Let's go week 10. Cowboys at Vikings uh obviously last time we saw them match up I think uh we're gonna see the same result we did last time so I think the Cowboys are gonna fall short to the Vikings again I I, a lot of these games I wanted to put a W I really wanted to say uh that they were gonna do better this year but again just being a Cowboy fan and 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 knowing their traits in in you know uh their habits. I I see them losing to the Vikings coming off a big win at the Steelers. Week eleven, okay. I got Redskins come to Dallas. I think it is the same result as when Cowboys go to Washington. Uh, Cowboys win at home week to, week eleven. Uh, handle the Redskins, who I think next year going to be somewhat not dysfunctional, but just not that talented. Uh, as far as on the offensive side. Uh, week 12 Cowboys at Ravens obviously I think the Ravens being the best team if not one of the best teams in the NFL uh, I see the Cowboys going in and losing uh, to Baltimore and uh, I don't think I think we we would be surprised I want to put a, a win I, like a I want to be yeah they can be I think the Dallas offense is the same if not better than their potential offense uh, but I think the Cowboys might be, might do Cowboy-like things, and uh, I have them losing to the Ravens, which, obviously, in that case, they're the clear underdog. Um, week 13, I have them bouncing back and beating uh, Joe Burrow's Bengals, which I think we all know that we're unsure, actually, what that team is going to look like. We know they're not going to be very good, but I don't think they're going to be terrible. At least I don't. I don't like. I said I don't think they're going to be terrible. Um, week thirteen, Joe might be really kind of getting to the swing of things at the end of the season. Uh, but again, I like the Cowboys. He's going to have to play that defense, that offense. It will be at Bengals, um, but I like the Cowboys beating uh, beating them and winning week thirteen. Week 14 coming back and uh, playing the 49ers at home. I had them losing uh, to the 49ers at home. Them being in the Super Bowl last year. It's no question the talent they have. Uh, There is a Super Bowl kind of hangover. So I think they will be over it at this point in the season. Week 14. And uh, I have the 49ers beating the Cowboys at home. And then for the last two games of the season. uh, We have the same result. Uh, So... Week 15, we have the Eagles at Cowboys. I have the Cowboys beating the Eagles for the division, at least for the playoff spot. Um, I have them beating the Eagles. Again, since they lost earlier, I have them losing at week eight at Eagles. I think this will be somewhat of a re- revenge game for them, kind of a flip Uh, of this past year, since the Cowboys beat them in the first matchup and then ended up losing to them and losing the division to them. So I think we'll see the opposite of that next year. Cowboys losing the first matchup, but winning that second. And then in Week 16, beating the Giants. um, Again, at Giants, but I don't see them being... uh, Maybe by Week 16, they make it competitive. Uh, I think it's a close one, Uh, but I think Cowboys beat Giants. And again, that's for the Cowboys to go nine and seven. I think I did my math correctly. Yes, nine and seven is my prediction for the Cowboys in twenty twenty. I really wanted to go ten and six. You know, I really wanted to, but I always find myself overhyping and and really just being disappointed at the end of the season with another nine and seven, eight and eight record. So I'm not gonna. I'm not going to shoot too high this year. I'm going to see how it works out for myself. And uh, I'm, I'm looking for 9 and 7. I think that is a fair estimate. Uh, who knows? We could go 8 and 8 again. I, don't, I think we see a change in the quarterback position if we see another 8 and 8 uh, neutral season. Uh, but we'll see. I have them at 9 and 7. Okay. Now let's transition to the man I was talking about earlier. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit of a, a better light right now. So, the Last Dance documentary coming out, obviously, was episodes 7 and 8, the second to last week uh, of the documentary. And it, it starts up by uh, finishing up basically the 93 finals. Uh, Michael just got his third championship. Um, but it was no secret that he was mentally, and not so much physically, but some mentally drained You know, from the media and and just just basketball and all the drama that goes into that went into the Bulls dynasty. You know that can be that can get tiring. Uh, We saw Kevin Durant and the Warriors break up after three years as well. So it happens. Uh, I think Michael just kind of got tired and frustrated, overwhelmed with everything that was going on, and and like we heard other people saying, his trainer uh, Tim Grover saying. Uh, or at least in the documentary, saying that Michael telling him years prior that baseball was his next move and was his was the next thing on his mind. And after winning uh, him, getting the three championships in a row, the three Pete at that time, that's not something that, you know, anybody had done as far as Magic and and Bird. Um, So he felt somewhat complete and he felt it was time to move on. And uh play baseball. But of course I'm missing out a big detail. That that didn't come before uh the the tragic death of his father. And obviously that came shortly after the the ninety-three finals. Um Jordan's father is found dead in a in a lake or a pond. And and obviously it just crushes him, you know, his dad being his best friend, which a lot to a lot of people that's the case. Um, but his dad being his best friend and losing him so, so drastically and dramatically, especially, um, man, that, that took a toll on him. And then him being, uh, an avid gambler, you know, it wasn't long until people started speculating and pointing the finger that at him, that he was possibly to blame, uh, for his father, his father's death, and, and and like we heard many people in the documentary say, there's not a shred of evidence that 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 defends that claim. And and the fact that people came out and said that um, to Michael, it's it's no question and, and I completely understand why he retired that first time. And I think the documentary did a great job of portraying how he felt and truly why it was time for him to retire or take a break. Um I think that's something people really bash on him for, including myself. I've been guilty of that in the past, him taking a break, saying that he didn't have to. But maybe he really did have to take this break for his mental, his psyche, you know. And and I think it was wrong of me to say that it was really his choice. Uh, but but I think seeing it in this light really opened my eyes. I'm seeing it in a different way. I'm really appreciating it and and man, it's just a great story, it really is, it feels like it's not true, you know, it feels like it's a a movie, a movie slash documentary, but the fact that this is all true, we're almost reliving it, you know, for some of us, like myself, I'm living it for the first time, you know, Um, but yeah, Michael, Michael gets the news that his father passed away, he gets, he gets somewhat blamed for it, and, and he just decides to retire from basketball, and, and, pursue another dream of his his father's dream and that was to play baseball and and the fact that he was able to transition so quickly from a professional basketball player to a baseball player a double-a baseball player uh it's incredible and the fact that he walked in and, and and batted over 200 really is a testament to to his athletic ability um, I don't think people really realize how hard that is or that was for him to do. And he hadn't played that sport in, in years, decades. And he just walked into it and, and was competitive and played at a very a high level. Um, and we heard in the documentary, if you listened, that uh, baseball, I want to say a story, people in the world of baseball, uh, in in the coaching staff watching Michael play at that time, saying that there's not really a doubt in their mind that if he would have stuck to baseball at the level he was playing at he would have made it to the major leagues and that is just a testament to his work ethic who he is and and watching that did give me more of an appreciation and I I think I will stop using that as a negative you know what I mean because I don't think it really was his fault but I don't think it's right for people to say well he would have won these championships he would have won he would have won eight for eight nine for nine That's when I have an issue and I will use it against him, okay? Um, but I don't think it should be and and I don't think it was his choice, really, you know, like I said. But then we moved on, uh we 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 flashed forward. I don't know if they flashed back, but we flashed forward to that ninety eight season. That's when it really started talking about in the in the next episode, episode eight is really when they started talking about, you know, Jordan as this bully, you know, and especially with with Scott Burrell, his teammate, you know, him bullying him, him wanting him to fight him, you know, but I don't think I think it obviously it was just his his approach. Yes, I do think he was a jerk and, and a bully, but it translated to wins. Okay, he won. He won at a high level and you can't take that away from him. Could he have been nicer? Yes. Um, But I don't really see the point of us all talking about him being a bully. Yes, he was a jerk. Yes, he was hard on his teammates. Why are we talking about this? We knew this already, and it's not going to make us look down on him in any way. That's Part of why I think a lot of people love him, uh, his mentality and how intense he was. So I don't know why such a it's such a big deal right now that he was a bully and such a jerk and his his mindset and his his approach. Yeah, he was a great leader. He did it his way. He won. Let's leave it at that. Okay, <laughs> that's the only issue I have. With that, uh, but you know, it ends episode seven ends and eight starts with the infamous you know facts of Michael Jordan. I'm back, okay? He is back. Uh, He decides to join the Bulls at the end of the regular season in 94-95, which a lot of people obviously were like, wow, you're going to unretire now, you know? Uh, Obviously, it had to do with baseball and what was going on there with the strike and what they asked Michael to do. But, yeah, he decided it was time to come back right then. Didn't want to wait. You know, it was playoff time. He you know, they say he didn't have the right body and that was that was the biggest reason they they said that was the biggest reason they lost to the magic. That at least that was what I felt was coming across. The biggest reason they lost was because Michael was in baseball shape and not basketball shape. Now, I do think that's a real thing, that there are two different shapes. Yes, one hundred percent. But now is that the reason they lost to the magic? No. That is not. They lost to a better team, okay? Michael did not play up to the certain standards he was used to playing. Yes, he, he, he had not been playing basketball. He had been playing baseball. But when you show up and lace on those shoes and go play and step foot onto that court and dribble that basketball... I I hold you to the same standards as everybody else, and he had not the best. He had arguably a bad series against Orlando, and that's why we saw them come up short, okay? It obviously wasn't the best team, but you had Michael Jordan, you had Scottie Pippen, you you didn't have Horace Grant, and obviously that was the That was one of the biggest reasons they lost was Horace on the other side completely dominating the role he did for them for so many years. Um, That was a huge role. They had obviously Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway. So they had a lot of good players, Um, but don't just blame it on on his baseball body, okay? They came up short. They did not play as well and quit pushing off the excuses. You know, I always hear LeBron is the king of excuses, but, man, it sure does sound like a a lot of excuses. At least I think I've heard a lot of excuses for Michael's losses in his career. Um, Again, I don't want to take anything away from him, but, dang, excuse city, I feel like. And, and they came up short and they lost. And that should be something we talk about more. Um, even though he did not play that that whole season. He had a playoff series before then. He had a couple games. He had weeks to get in shape. And it was his decision to come back and play. So why do we say give him a break for losing when he decided to come back and play? Okay. That's my only issue with with, with, the, with them losing to the Magic. And it for some reason never getting brought up he chose to come back and play he's still michael jordan he was still michael jordan okay and he came up short and they lost okay that's that that's all i'm going to talk about that one thing i loved seeing in this documentary one thing that i also learned was when they were filming um space jam it was obviously the summer after michael lost to the magic and Obviously, him saying, I, I need to get my body back. Um, I need I need to change my body. And him doing that and after filming, you know, having having all the NBA All-Stars come play at Warner Brothers gym to scrimmage with him, you know. We, we heard other guys like Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen and uh, all these other guys that were there playing and saying, you know, that summer the thing was to go play with Mike at, at Warner Bros. You know, go play, pick up basketball late at night and and the fact that michael would wake up five six a.m go do his uh his basically shoot for the movie train during the day and then at night he would go play hours and hours of pickup basketball and then do the same thing the next day so his work ethic and uh, i mean just watching that it's like it seems like he's a vampire you know it doesn't seem like he ever sleeps um but why sleep when you can do all of that right so um, his work ethic was absolutely insane, and seeing all of them, all of those all stars, go play at Warner Bros. was just awesome. And and I didn't know that happened, and learning that, man, I bet LeBron, I hope LeBron had something set up like that, or I bet he's jealous. He didn't because man, that looked awesome. <laughs> it looked awesome, and I'm glad I I'm glad I learned that. Um, but episode eight finished up. Basically with, you know, the ninety-five-96 season, they go seventy-two and ten. They win the championship against Seattle. Uh, MJ and Kerr, you know, they, they they have the big fight in the beginning of the season, then they overcome it. You know, they go for a huge stretch of games, and we saw I maybe Luke Longley on the documentary. I can't exactly remember who said it, but he was sitting down with Scotty and uh, Scotty looked at the schedule and was like, Man, I don't think we're gonna lose for three months (laughs) and they did they didn't you know they did not lose and we saw that result in a 72 and 10 record obviously the second best record in nba history the best at that time um you know they beat the supersonics we saw michael just at the end of the episode just overcome with emotion you know beating you know uh facing the challenge that he did without his biggest supporter, you know, and it, it, I think it really showed, uh, we, we finally got audio of that infamous picture of him on the ground crying after the championship or on the, we didn't even know he was crying. He just thought he was on the ground resting, you know, since he was so tired, but we got, uh, finally got audio to that, to that picture. And he was just sobbing his eyes out. And a lot of people, if anybody, I don't think anybody knew, knew that, that he was doing that in that moment. And, and, It just showed all of his emotion, all his hard work, you know, that that he was still missing that one guy beside him. And I couldn't help to get, you know, sad watching it. And it was a great way to end that that episode. Um, And. They also kind of predicted or basically it's time for them to play the Pacers in the Western Conference Finals now in in, in that 98 season. Um, so that's where I'm thinking we're gonna start up in episodes 9 and 10 them which I'm really excited for because that that was the series that year not necessarily them beating the jazz them that seven game series against the Pacers. We heard Reggie Miller saying, you know they thought they were the superior team that year. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting down getting into the details of that seven game series uh how close they were to to losing it all you know and and just just this the untold stories that we're gonna get you know and, and i'm just really excited for the for the finale of this awesome documentary it's been better than than i imagined and and um i'm so glad that i've i've been able to watch it and been able to live through everything that I missed and it really has given me such great respect for Michael Jordan and and I, I I only expect um more from the final episode um like I said I I'm just looking forward to it and I'm really just looking forward to see how they end such a big thing you know I know the end result they're gonna win the championship Michael's gonna retire but how are they gonna do it you know I I'm really looking forward to see um how they they close they, they 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 close it down basically how they finish it up so really looking forward to that um, that's gonna be it for today's uh, podcast thanks so much for listening next week I'm gonna basically just do a finale my final uh, segment on the last dance and then we'll see I'll, we'll see what else goes on this past week but thanks for listening and uh, as for me and dudes talking sports we'll see you next week.